Today on Pastor JDO3, the podcast, we spend time talking to Demetrius Frazier, Senior Director of Learning and Development at Kaiser Aluminum. He's the founder of Black Men Read, which has 987 members. He achieved his bachelor's from Virginia Union University and a master's degree from the University of Richmond. And now, part one of Up goes Frazier. Uh, I thought this would be a good place to start. We're talking about this HBCU love brother. What was it like for you to see uh, Kamala Harris uh, going into one of the highest offices in the land as an HBCU grad? Absolutely. Bro, yes, what, yes. what was that like? I mean, come on now. I mean, for me, uh, and we talked about this, there's always this kind of like sibling rivalry between HBCU to HBCU. Yeah. But we do that as a family. So I may say my school's better than yours, my band's better than yours, and we can go back and forth about that. But when it comes down to one of us winning, I felt like when she crossed the stage, when she finally got the nomination, she was it, it we all won. And we all were happy, we were all proud. And because at that point, it's HBCU that won, not Howard or Grambling or Fisk or any of those schools individually. We all won. And so it felt like a sense of pride for sure. I mean, not only was she a, a black woman, but she went to HBCU and she represented the HBCUs. It, that's another thing, too. We sometimes see that, too, John. Yeah, she didn't doubt people. It. She didn't downplay it. And I love that. I love that about it. She she is an unapologetic self, and I didn't see that she was backing away from. Yeah, I went to HBCU. What of it? Like it was, it was kind of like that pride in it because she also went to one of the more historic ones as well. So, I, look, I, I was beaming. I, I had so many parts that I was beaming for because one, she's not an old white dude. Not trying to make it. So. Yeah, I get you. <laughs> I mean. We get these seventy-year-old, eighty-year-old. No, there's some vibrancy in the office now, and and I love that. Uh, Barack Obama was the same thing for me. You know, was, this is something that's not something that I got to wait fifty years for someone that's in my sphere or my age group to be able to achieve. Here it is. She's a little bit younger. She got more energy. She's about things that are closer to the young people, and I loved every bit of it. And I think what's cool is that we. Like we came through the HBCU, so we understand the the struggle, the value of the education. And when we went into the workforce, it was like, okay, you know what? I got a pretty good education. I'm really solid. I'm ready for this. But for, to sometimes to the outside world, it's like you went where? You, you know, you studied what? Oh, come on now. You, surely you're not prepared. And, and at some level, this felt like a national kind of validation where it's like, hey, look. For those of you who are considering this, you can go to the, these uh, smaller schools. Some of them are not very small, by the way. Uh, these right, smaller right. schools and get just as quality of education and still work your way up the corporate ladder. And, and I, I'm going to echo, I'm going to say that a little different. I think you're better prepared if you are, especially if you're a black uh, student and you go to an HBCU. Let me explain that. So here it is, I went to the Virginia Union University. I think we should state that just to make sure there is no confusion uh, about what school we went to. But you go to this very historic, 
great school, small school. At the time we were there, what was it, 2,000 or so students? Uh, and then we're compared to Virginia State and we're compared to Norfolk State and all the other places that are inside the state and outside. And I'm getting an education, my uh, accounting first and second classes were being taught by Dr. Ruth Harris. And not only was she uh, a giant in the accounting world, but she was one of the first black female CPAs in the state. So to say that we're getting a less than or a uh, not so privileged or accredited university uh, education is, is a farce. Uh, the teachers that we're being taught from are not only caring about us, the individual, but they want us to go out and, and shine in the world. They're not just passing us through. And so from HBCU to HBCU, every one of those students is getting that kind of experience. And I, I think that's the part that people miss. We're thinking, oh, well, this is the curriculum they're getting and this is the research facilities they got. The real, the real gems in the HBCU environment is the teachers and faculty. Those are the ones that are saying, Johnny, not only are you gonna be a good student and I would make sure you do that, but I want you to be the best. And that's why when we come out, there's, there's no question whether or not we're prepared for the world. So I go into my first year out of school, I go into a, a large S&P 500 company in DuPont. One of their locations is right there in the city of Richmond. And to your point earlier about, you know, do they know this school or not know the school? I said, hey, I went to Virginia University. Oh, uh, University of Virginia? No. <laughs> uh, if anyone should know Virginia University is someone who has a location, HR department right here in the same city. And so you get that whether you are away from that school or not. And I think the, the important part is that when I got in there, not only did I have a network of people who went to other HBCUs, but also had the confidence in myself that I can stand and all of that and still be still feel like I'm just as uh, accomplished I'm I deserve to be here and you get that at a Virginia at a uh, not Virginia University only but you get that at HBCUs and that's I don't think you can get that if you're a black student at a PWI but that, that just was my experience well, what was that transition like from you going from student uh, into corporate going from student was rough I will say this, I had part-time jobs and all this other stuff. I had an internship at Bank of America. I, when I got to DuPont, it was rough. And what I mean by that is I go into a room, not only do they not think I belong, uh, I can feel it. So when, it, when they give me assignments, they give me like the easiest, cheesiest assignment. And here I am, I'm a graduate. At this point, I'm not freshman year college I am four year finished got my degree good grade point average you know good student and they're still like well you know I don't, I don't know if you can handle all this and then meanwhile there's people beside me who are don't look like me but getting these really challenging projects and coming to me for help yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. like I don't understand that like it's but I think they're so used to that being the way they can just treat people. And that's, again, another thing. I, I wasn't there to accept that. Again, it came from my, my time at Union. I don't have to accept being treated as 
not un, not capable or uh, not worthy or valuable to what we're trying to do. And the people that were there, the people that were from, again, Bill Hawk, I, I'm going to say his name. You wouldn't even know him. Bill Hawk, Emmett Smith, uh, Charles Bigby, all those folks, different HBCUs, one went to St. Paul's, one went to State, one went to uh, Virginia Union. We're all like, hey, we need to check in. We're going to have some lunch. We're going to sit around in, in a little corner on the side, and you're going to tell me exactly what's going on. And when I tell them, hey, you know, I feel like um, I'm getting a, getting a raw deal here. They're like, here's what you need to do. Who are you? Are you Virginia Union made? Are you capable? Are you smart? Do you think you can handle it? It was that, like, you know, pump up every time when I was feeling like I wasn't going to be able to do it and they don't, they're not going to see me. Like, remember who you are. Remember where you came from. And they would always, like, if that wasn't working, they'd say, what would your grandma say if she saw you wallowing in the corner? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, no, not yeah, grandma. Yeah. Not grandma. Yeah. She definitely wasn't saying down, go straight. She's like, people. boy, get your butt up. <laughs> get your butt up. Yeah, right? Because that's, and that's another thing that I could pull on is that, you know, my family line. And I felt like union was just an extension of that because that's where I felt like family. Now, for graduate school, I went to a PWI. Didn't feel any of that. You know, it's a different different level of school, but there was no sense of community. There was no sense of, I'm going to make Johnny Ogletree the best ever. You know, there. Doggy dog. It was doggy dog. You were a number. You were, and, and I, I, I've had people who were, look like me, graduate from same high school, smart kids, went to a PWI, and they would just say, look, I, I didn't get any of what you talked about. I got where I went to a classroom full of 50, 60 freshmen that they didn't care if I was there or not there. And I remember getting in trouble because I didn't go to one of my first uh, freshman year classes by the professor. He saw me on the, on a, in the square. He was like, uh, okay, you just, you just go in the square, but you're not going to show up to class? Okay. Accountability. Got it. Right? I tell this story all the time. I, I don't use your name, by the way. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> protect the innocent. Yes, we or protect the guilty the in this case. <laughs> but but no, actually, it is a, it is really a, a true highlight of who you are as a man. Uh, and this was something that you always illustrated, uh, and that was integrity and character. Uh, so one of the things that I remember talking to you about was what it was like going into corporate America and facing this thing called the fast track, uh, and saying, "Okay, I could actually get on this fast track." But there are some things that come along with this fast track. How did you make that decision? This is this is pivotal. This is the difference between maxing out and jumping on the fast track and riding your way to the top and being one of the few people that could possibly justify it by getting there and opening the door for someone else. Right. Or at least putting your family in a position to thrive because this might be the only true opportunity or window to get there. So what was it like making that decision? And you don't have to tell the story if you don't want to. No, I, I would say, you know, in general, because now I've been at a different company and there's that same idea, fast track, and how you can get to the top levels and all that stuff. And just as a, as a general comment, in, in DuPont, at the time, there was a lot of people who were, you know, seen as the high risers the promotables or whatever term they want to use. And those people got job after job after job. 
and it seemed like they were they were not just rewarded for what they did, but they were pushed into those roles. So Johnny's coming in this one role, and the next thing we're gonna do is six months later, we're gonna put him in this role, and you get to that fast track to get to the top. And one of the things I always felt like from a, from African-American, uh, whether it's male or female, females were slightly different, um, is that it felt like you had to like almost kind of push your your priorities aside, especially for helping people. Those two didn't mix. It was, hey, you want to help people? All right, well, you know, you might not be the one we're looking for to get to that level. You seem to be distracted almost to, to doing these other things. And what I what I never got from that was, if your corporate values say we respect people, we value diverse voices, uh, and now they're using those terms diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, and all that stuff. If that's what you value, and you have a leader who's not only capable of doing the job that you're asking to do, but says, hey, along the way, I want to make sure that we clean house, we get things ready. So we can have more women in the boardroom. We can have more Hispanics in you know leadership role. We have all these things better and balanced. Then wouldn't you value that person even more? And it seemed like there was a separation. We they wanted the person that came in early in the morning, left late at night, uh, didn't really talk about the family much because that's another distraction. Didn't care about these social movement type things, and you know. It, it, early 2000s it wasn't as much of this uh we were talking about more dot com and y2k back then <laughs> but now you can have a leader that says i i can't separate myself from my community this is this is a tragedy and it how am i as a leader going to be able to say yep i'm really focused on becoming vp and not working on this thing over here the bad part is that i think i still see that not just in, in DuPont, but I see it elsewhere. And I and I think, and this is not to try to bash DuPont because we'll talk a little bit about like how it, how you can change culture too. But I think I'm seeing that still, where companies are making a decision. We we just gonna stay out of this fray. We're not gonna jump into talking about Black Lives Matter. We're gonna avoid that language altogether. We're gonna talk about diversity. Well, hold on. The, the people are crying in the streets and saying, you are not making me feel valued. You don't care if I live or die. And your answer is, well, okay, well, we should do things for everybody. That's that's kind of how diversity is landing on me. When I say, uh, I'm tired of people sitting on my neck and killing me. I'm tired of the Sandra Blands and the Breonna Taylors. I'm tired of black girls being pushed out of the education system into, you know, uh, into prisons, I, I, I'm tired of that. And you're saying, well, okay, great. We're going to make sure everybody gets paid. Yeah. The, the, or their, just, their response is to <clears throat> make a couple of commercials uh, and maybe one or two public statements that have black faces in it. And then thus we feel, fulfill this image that we want people to, to think about us, but it's really not that accurate. But, but having said that, one of the things that is beneficial is being able to grab that momentum and seize the the opportunities that lie there. Uh, and one of the things that we talked about a while back is how you use your position to bring money from those companies into the HBCU and into the community. 
So what was it like to to get a foot in the door, to form some relationships and to say, you know what, I'm not just going to put money on the Fraser table, but if I can build a building at Virginia Union, doggone it, let's do this thing. Are you an HBCU grad? Want to join the discussion about your readiness for corporate America? Join us next week as we continue in this discussion as Demetrius Frazier talks about his rise up the corporate ladder and his experience using his position to further the cause of Black America. You can connect with us by using the hashtag JDO, the number three, podcast, or by using the hashtag PastorJDO3. You can connect with Demetrius Frazier at Black Men Read Now. You don't want to miss one moment of this powerful discussion. We'll see you next week for Pastor JDO3, the podcast.